Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The catch is made by DJ Moore. Still going across midfield. Inside the 40, the 30. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. Here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And welcome into a brand new edition of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by Sports Illustrated Panthers beat writer Skylar Callahan and Panthers all-time leading rusher Jonathan Stewart. Uh, you guys know how we do. It's a Tuesday edition. Normally, we're on every Monday, uh, but with the holidays, we uh, decided to wait an extra day, and I'm happy we did because we had some Panther news that went down that I think will uh, affect a lot of Panther Nation in terms of uh, a roster move that happened that would have happened after we had taped uh, yesterday. So actually worked itself out. Uh, we'll get you a little down on that. It's uh, Panthers versus Lions recap. Panthers with a huge dominating victory over the Detroit Lions at home this past Sunday, 37 to 21. We'll get into that. Um, we've got Tell Them Are You Mad because it's typically what we would do is two episodes in a week. But uh, with New Year's coming up this upcoming week, it's already Tuesday. We're squashing two episodes into one. We'll be back with our regular rotation next week. Uh, so you're getting a recap of last game and you're getting a preview of Tampa versus Carolina today. Um, and it's open mailback. So if you're watching the, uh, the show and you want to stick in uh, your comment, take um, question to the panel, anything like that, like uh, Kevin McFarlane here who still can't get over the fact that the team put up 570 total yards of offense in the game, which was not even done in 2015 when we had the number one scoring offense in the league. Um, yes, and it was fun. <laughs> the entire game was fun to watch. Uh, Stu was in the booth. Uh, they might tell you you need to come back, uh, Stu. You might be good luck because they from the first play, <laughs> they rattled off 30 yeah. yards. It was just on and popping from that point on. So uh, we'll get Stu's view from the studio well from the uh from the stadium he was actually calling the game for radio Skyler was there reporting for sports illustrated so we're getting all that stuff the things we liked and we'll give you some predictions on uh tom brady and the tampa bay buccaneers i'm pretty sure they're gonna probably be leading off our telemar you mad segment yeah i'm gonna tell you why we mad i'm gonna tell you why we mad son. so i'm gonna let you guys dictate here do you want to do telemar we're mad first or do we want to get into this recap since this game was on saturday yeah let's uh let's tell them let's get this this uh, bad energy out okay. the way. Okay, so we gotta, uh, we gotta. Uh, Stu, I feel like Stu has had something because he asked, <laughs> "Are we doing tell him why you mad today?" So I feel well, like I, mean, I, think, I think we're all, I think we're all on the same page here. Okay, you know, Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you why we mad. I'm gonna tell you why we mad, Man, I feel like I wasted my evening watching that game. Like when it got to the point where it was like Tom Brady in overtime or whatever. Well, Tom Brady with like um, two minutes left. And he needed now, a field goal. <laughs> I know being an offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator is not an easy task. And I understand the Arizona Cardinals, their season is over. But if you want national television, put on a good product, please. Please. Um, there was a, you know, a short yardage opportunity for them to convert first down late in the game. Cardinals. You have James Conner, who is literally running like a bull, like kind of like at his own will. Um, 
And given the opportunity to convert on the first down, you do this weird fake to the fullback, quick pitch to the left, and now we have a ball on the ground. Missed opportunity. Just give the ball to James Conner, let him pick up the first down. That changed the, changes the trajectory of the ending of the game. The defensive coordinator, you get a guy hurt. Now we understand you're down a, you're down a guy. I understand that. But you got to call on your players to still make plays when it comes to coverage. Because what happens is when you're down a guy, now you have your bigs in there, right? You got your linebackers in there. They're not going to be able to cover in space. Whatever it is, dial up some type of coverage to where Tom Brady, to make it harder for Tom Brady. You send three up the middle, it's easy money for him. Okay, I can outflank the defense now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on. It's it's just not rocket science. When I saw that, they dialed it up twice in a row. And I'm just it, it blew my mind watching that on TV live at the national football le- level. I mean, it's common sense. It's peewee football. Yeah. Like got guys up the middle, you got a little bit of time, you got receivers that can outflank a guy. It's easy money. Um coordinators are getting too uh, complicated. Like they're making it way more complicated than it needs yeah. to be. And I think that's what's refreshing with the Panthers. That's a problem. When yeah, they're, 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 the Sean McVay thing where everybody's got to be the next wonder kid or whatever, the next offensive genius. I see it all the time. People are still asking for us to get a offensive minded coach in here. And I'm like, are you not seeing what's happening here? <laughs> like, you want to you wanna, you wanna know what's genius? Simplicity is key. Yes. Look at the Panthers. The, the Panthers. Panthers Coach taken... Wilkes is a genius because it... he sees this thing as, hey, the players make plays. It's all about execution. Mm-hmm. I'm, ta- I'm Again, I'm going to repeat this. I'm taking execution over schematics every day. Okay? So everyone can have the best schemes in the world. Everyone can have the best plays, the trick plays, and can outsmart somebody. When it comes down to it, to win the hard, fought-out games, it's execution. You can, you can be a wizard on the chalkboard and in the yeah. film, but if you can't develop players and the players don't buy into what you're selling, yes, right. I um I've always been told by high school coaches that if they see a team doing a bunch of trick plays and a lot of deception and things of that sort, that group feels like they can't win head up, like straight up, man to man against the team they're playing against, and they that's, have to do this. That's the biggest feeling at least for me, that I've, I've noticed with this team is like early in the season, it was like, okay, this team was like, can we get win games? Can we stay competitive? And it's like as soon as that first sound of adver- adversity hit, they kind of hung their heads a little bit. And they yeah. kind of got a little bit kind of defensive. Whereas since Steve Wilkes has taken over, I, I feel like this team feels like they can literally win every single game. And they go out there with that mindset and that intention that they're going to set the tone. We saw it last week against Detroit. Very first play of the game with Chuba Hubbard. So, like, I feel like the whole mentality of this team has really changed just since Steve's taken over. Let's look at the yeah. – uh, so, I know this happened Saturday, but let's look at the box scores real quick because uh, it deserves to be looked at, the, the Panthers. Shout out to the Carolina Panthers offensive line who, in my opinion, set the tone for this game before kickoff coming out in the black uh, ski mask or whatever, like the entire offensive line, like as a show of unity. This offensive line, people don't really realize – other than Bradley Bozeman coming in 
uh, what about a month ago, I guess, and took over the starting lineup, uh, the starting center role. They've all pretty much played all year, and people don't understand how important it is to have your starting five offensive line have that cohesiveness and play with each other all year long. In comparison, like last year, it was like a trauma unit with the offensive line. It felt like we were just bringing people in and out. There was no kind of uh, unity. When these boys get on and they start hitting these holes like this, like you're seeing them doing stuff. Like if you're watching it from behind the line of scrimmage, you're seeing that left guard pull over to the right and hit that guy trying to come in from the outside. You're seeing the running back go through the hole and hit that guy that's trying to sneak in that linebacker. So Chuba or whoever can come through right behind him. Like you're seeing intricacies in the run game with the offensive line that you may not have noticed before, but they're what doing it. What we last year does, what do we tell them? <laughs> the possibility top 10 offensive line. Like when they yeah. got Corbett and they got Bozeman and drafted Icky, we were like, we know we sound nuts, <laughs> but yeah. this line feels like they could be a top 10 unit. And Is it safe to say we're two for two now on those preseason? I think so. What was it the year before? We said that uh, – Last year was the top 10 defense. That's right. We said we could have a top 10 defense off of what we were looking at. This year was the offensive line. Uh, and the wins that the Panthers have had since Steve Wilkes has took over, if I'm not mistaken, they're averaging over 180 yards on the ground, which is insane in 2022. Uh, after, yes, after Saturday, it might be somewhere near 200. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> uh, you know, these boys ran for 320 yards on 43 carries, 7.4 yards per carry. Everybody was eating. Deonta Foreman had 165 yards on 21 carries. Chuba yeah, had career day. 25. You were in the booth calling this game. And I realized that right when they broke it, that they broke the uh, the single game rushing record as a team for the Panthers. Uh, that that record you were a part of, uh, Stu. You yeah. were in that uh, game, if I remember correctly. It was a Monday Night Football game against Tampa, right? Yeah, yeah. But you, you have like a, a pretty infamous meme of you stiff arming a dude to hell. Uh, <laughs> a man yeah. bounces off the ground. Uh, yeah. They're like two ninety nine or something in that game, I believe. Uh, Russian. Yeah, man. it was it was fun to watch, man. I mean, out the gate, you know, I went down to the field um, pregame, and there was no, there was very limited Detroit players in sight. First of all, one of the first things I noticed, the cold, which kind of, and, and and walking through the the hallways um, pregame. I bumped into one of the NFL camera guys, and I, one of the guys I remember from playing, and he was like, "Hey, man, what's the what's the key to the game?" And I said, "Well, the man that is able to withstand his weather and the elements around him is going to win the game." And I based that basically off of what I saw in pregame. We had the Carolina Panthers out there like regular, um, you know, getting their you know, pregame warm-ups in. And then you had no Detroit players really in sight. I saw the kicker. I saw, like, a couple receivers. <laughs> saw a couple receivers. But, I mean, mentally, I don't think the Detroit Lions were in it from the start. I think they, they were going to show yeah. I think they were going to show up. I think they thought they were going to show up and just play, and things were just going to fall on their lap. And I know they just got done playing a hard, tough game against the New York Jets. And I think that took a toll on them having to travel short week, Saturday game. It's Christmas Eve. I want to be home with my family. All those elements takes a, t- takes a toll on the defense, um, especially when you have are facing uh, an offense that just came off an embarrassing game that has something to prove. Um, and then I saw like post game, they're complaining about the field. Hey, man, 
I was about to bring that the up. The Carolina Panthers were playing on the same field you were. Mm-hmm. This is the first time they've also played in a very cold game in Carolina at Bank of America Stadium. They weren't here eight years ago, nine years, ten years ago, whenever it was. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so everyone's under the same elements. Okay, you've just wow. been playing indoor on those games when it's cold outside. So, I mean. Whatever it is, I'm just glad that the offensive line showed up and showed out. It looked like a college football game, like mm-hmm. like in the in the beginning of the half, like how you see, like I don't know, like a, a whole, like when Ezekiel Elliott was playing for the Ohio State Buckeyes, right? And how he was just running rampant, like just running wherever he wanted to run. Saquon Barkley in college, like that's what it looked like as far as those holes opening up. It it looked like from home watching it that the Lions didn't want to touch anybody. Like, and that sounds weird. Like it was yeah. so cold outside. It looked like there was some like those in tackles where guys were deciding whether or not they wanted to lay out and tackle or yeah. not. Because some like those touchdowns, they just kind of let them through. <laughs> like yeah. they, they got to that point. Uh, I know it was cold. I don't remember what the temperature actually was at kickoff, uh, but it was the coldest game in Panthers home history. Uh, and we thought that might have something to do with it. We thought it might affect the passing game, but. Uh, uh, Scott, I want you to talk a little bit about the evolution of bearded Sam Darnold because Sam Darnold has gone from potential savior when he first arrived to to clown when it just fell apart last year to mystery when he missed most of the year with injury this year to now where I'm sensing a feeling where the fan base is slowly starting to come back around to Sam Darnold. It's like they're remembering the first three games of last year and how hype we were for him being in there. And the dude just don't turn the ball over 15 for 22, 250 yards through a touchdown, no interceptions, no sacks, 121 rating. He's he literally did what I think my key was uh, last week. I just don't turn the ball over. Give me 250, give me a touchdown or two, move the chains and let your run game and defense eat. And that's basically what he did. Like, what were you seeing in the booth when it comes to Sam Darnold and, is control the offense because it feels like they're giving him a little bit more each week to kind of play with. Well, I mean, it, it goes back to what we saw last year in those first three games when we were sitting here talking about, I mean, you, you compared him to, to Troy Aikman a little bit. And I, I did. I did. And people clown me for that too. <laughs> Hill, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, S-type player where you just kind of have to manage the game. You know, Alex Smith, like those types of players. He can be that type of quarterback. He's got all the talent. He's got the arm. He's got the smarts. He's got the physical traits to be able to do it. It's just being able to do it consistently. What we see in these four games – is, I think, a sense of confidence that we have not seen in Sam since he's entered the league. And I think a lot of that has to do with the offensive line. You look at the offensive lines he's played with his entire career. The Jets was a mess. Last year, you kind of thought, okay, maybe this would be one of the better offensive lines he's played with, even though it still had a lot of, a lot of work, right? But that offensive line couldn't stay together. They couldn't stay healthy. They had 14 or 13 different starting combinations – and it showed whenever he dropped back in the pocket 20 to 30 times a game, he was getting happy feet. He was making bad decisions, throwing off his back foot, throwing across his body into the, in the danger. This year, you're not seeing that. It all sorts with those, that comfort up front. Last year, during OTAs, the one thing he talked about specifically that he needed to improve on was his feet. He said that his feet were too too choppy and too, too fast. He didn't he need to have calmer feet. Yeah. You see that this year. Yeah. And it's all mm-hmm. protection. And secondly, I think not only that, but you're seeing Sam 
makes smarter decisions where he's not putting the ball in harm's way. He's taking what the defense gives him, and he's not forcing things downfield and trying to make things happen because he knows, hey, I got a really, really good defense. I got a hell of a run game. All I got to do is just not mess it up. If yeah. I don't mess it up, you can win. And because there's times he takes a sack on third down, knowing, hey, you know what? We're going to punt, but we're going to be okay. It's a lot better than throwing the ball into coverage over the middle of the field and getting picked off. That's the difference between last year and this year, because last year Sam Darnold, non-bearded Sam Darnold, would throw it anyway, like into like a pack of like three and, defensive backs. Do, like the, the the ones that he does maybe throw a little bit harm's way, it's way down the field where he's giving his guy a chance to make a play on the ball, and if it's not going to be, you know, if it's going to be picked off, it's going to be essentially a punt. So it's not those ones that are over the middle of the field, or he's starting to trying to, to really force those ones underneath. Just one way down the field where it wouldn't even really matter. I got one for tell them why you're mad. Um, yeah, I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. We thought after um, – it probably would have if Tampa lost on a Sunday night. But I was hoping they were going to flex this game, this Tampa-Carolina game, into primetime because basically it's quarter division. I mean, like a lot of things are pretty much wrapped up except for – the NFC South is just a hot mess. Like, it's it's just chaos in this division. And I thought that they would flex it. And Joe Person, who I believe I'm going to have on uh, my show Saturday morning, we've been running around each other in circles all year uh, from The Athletic, he put out there on Twitter that the NFL was looking at maybe flexing the game. Uh, and then they ended up flexing Steelers and Ravens instead. And I'm like, all right, I get it. Steelers. Ravens, it's a bigger matchup. Although I don't think Lamar is playing or anything like that. Uh, I have no idea who's starting for Pittsburgh, but they're both still in the playoff chase. Uh, the Ravens are still trying to win the division, all good stuff. I get it. That's fine. But you haven't really spotlighted the NFC South. And to me, it almost felt like they were like, well, that game's not going to be very good. So we're not going to put it on primetime. We'd rather, if it's not going to be a good game, let's make it an ugly game. And if we want an ugly game, We'd rather have Steelers versus Ravens. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you why we mess. I'm gonna tell you why we mess. <laughs> but the Bucks and Panthers are a hardcore rivalry. You got the goat Tom Brady trying to win a division. He hasn't gone under 500 in a healthy season since 2002. <laughs> this is 2022. It's been 20 years since Tom Brady has had a year with a sub record and not had an injury. Um, the Panthers are five and five with Wilkes over. Um, this was a dominant game uh, against the Lions. Like from the opening snap, the thirty-yard run from Cuba, and then I think they had like another one like right behind it. Uh, yeah, was- kudos to yeah, kudos to McAdoo this game. Um, he um, really had a plan in the run game. It wasn't just the same duo play. Um, they they added a nice little jab, you know, to just kind of like freeze the linebackers. Um, and getting a, a chance to get the, the offensive line on their guys, just that split second, right, um, of guys just having to take a freeze moment of where the running back is going. Yep. And then you hit it back door, either you're hitting it down the, down the A-gap, which is the physicality of t- technically the duo play, or you put them one-on-one with the corner of safety, make a guy miss. And, you, and, and those are the plays – that you really start to see the talent of what we got in Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman. I mean, these guys, man, watching them this past game, I mean, there's, that's the DNA. They're, they should be there. Uh, they need to be together for at least five years, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> Double trouble, 2.0. Um, like, I, I mean, I feel what, like... About, what about Raheem Blackshear? 
I, I yeah. want and Raheem as well. I mean, he's kind of came out of nowhere. Like he's getting yeah. up four or five carries a game, but he's making the most of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. every single play, every time he touches the ball, there's an explosion to him. Yeah. Um, and and he looks small, like compared to Deontay and and Chuba and, and height, but he he weighs the same as Chuba Hubbard. I mean, he carries a load. So when when DBs are coming up on him on the sideline, and he's finishing plays. I mean, it's it's a good feeling, and when you have three guys, one guy comes in, the starter, Deontay or Chuba, and you don't catch a break off of physicality, that's what defenses hate. It's like, okay, we got to change a pace guy. He's a change a pace guy, but he's still going to knock you on your behind. <laughs> I, lo- I love how each one of them are kind of different. They all bring a different thing to the table. Like yeah. Deontay, this past Sunday, I know he had that wiggle. He was juking oh, some yeah. dudes. Uh, I mean, he, got, he got a great jump cut. He got yeah, a great, great jump cut. For defenses, like normally when you have a, a trio or duo of running backs, like they're they may be different, but they also usually scheme to those types of running backs to where they do certain things. Really, from what I've seen, all three running backs can do literally everything. Everything. Yeah. So there's no certain scheme like Deontay's in the game. Okay, you're going to get inside power. Chuba was in the game. You might get some bounces to the outside. Raheem, this and that. Like, no, they can literally do every single thing. Yeah. It's, cr- it's crazy, too, because it feels like the national media is just now catching on to what we've been talking about the past month or so in terms of what the Panthers are doing. They're not hiding anything. We're going to run it at you. Uh, I was talking to my father about this the other day, right before the Panther game, because he was asking me about the Panthers. And I was like, honestly, from what we've seen with Wilkes, there is no in-between with this team. There's no middle. Either they're going to run it for 185 yards down your throat all day and you can't stop it or they're going to run for 40. And we there's no reason why. <laughs> just, they're going to run for 40. They won't be able to get the ball. That seems to be the trick to beat these Panthers. Keep the ball away from them and don't let them get lathered up in the run game because once they get rolling, the offensive line starts to lean on you a little bit. It starts to grow. It doesn't stop mid-game. If they get off first quarter with running the ball, they're going to run the ball the whole game. And yeah. That's the key. Running. That's the key for any offense that wants to be physical is time of possession. Because once you have time of possession, once you win that, that means you're wearing down the defense. That means you're actually doing what you're set out to do, which is keeping the ball and wearing down the defense. And mind you, in December, the reason why it's important, especially this past Saturday, it being as cold as it was, that means the (laughs) Detroit Lions offense is on the sideline in the cold. And so as a player, you're sitting there just kind of freezing up and then, oh, it's time for us to go back out there. Oh, let me warm up that quick. (laughs) Let me go go find this heater right quick. (laughs) But so like the mentality for an offense, because I mean, technically the Detroit Lions are supposed to be a physical team too, right? And they weren't able to to stay on the field. Um, One of the key parts of that game was the second drive when they fumbled it, right? From that yeah. point on, it was game over yeah. because they they did something that was out of – maybe out of their norm. I don't know, turning over the ball. They haven't had too many turnovers, although the turnovers that they had had um, were fumbles, you know, in, in the run game and whatnot. And so that took place, and the game changed immediately. I was gonna say I was looking at the uh, some more numbers from that game. Uh, Panthers twenty uh, Panthers thirty seven Lions twenty three. The Panthers had the ball thirty five minutes thirteen seconds of that game. The Lions only twenty four forty seven. So about eleven minutes longer uh, than uh, 
the Lions had it. Uh, well, they only ran four more plays than the Lions, 65 to 61. Uh, but total yards, uh, 570 for Carolina, 381 for uh, Detroit. We held the Detroit rushing game only 45 yards um, yeah. on 17 attempts. So and that's where the time of possession lingers right there because they didn't run the ball that well. If you don't run the ball, you're passing it, you're making yourself get into those incompletions, which stops the clock. Yeah, Goff threw for 350-some yards, but that was all the offense they really had. And uh, honestly, Carolina's second quarter, they scored 17 points in the seventh quarter moved the lead out to like 24 to seven. And at that point, uh, when they came back third quarter and scored uh, in the beginning, I'm like, oh, okay, these boys are on it today. Like, yeah, they're on it. (laughs) Skyler, talk about Brian Burns right quick, Mm. how he showed up big. I mean, mean, the Lions didn't allow any sacks technically. And my man just says, oh, okay, well, I I got listed as a pro bowler this weekend. So let me go ahead and show show what that's (laughs) all about. Shout out to all the Panther fans who wanted to trade Brian Burns two months ago for those two first round picks shame, in like shame, years, shame, Rams shame. or whatever. Yeah, yeah I mean, you would have saw yeah. the returns on that in like maybe the next decade. <laughs> yeah, twenty thirty two forever. But I mean, Burns is just like you go back and look at his stats even entering the week, and he had already I think eclipsed his season high for tackles, TFLs, obviously sacks, QB hits, like. And he still had like three games to go. I mean, it's it's incredible. And I, to be honest with you, I don't even think this is his ceiling. Like, I legitimately think before it's all said and done, he will have a twenty sack season. Mm-hmm. And that's a bold statement. It's happened before. You gotta you gotta keep him and Derek Brown together yes. for the rest of their careers. Because the Derek Brown is also having a hell of a year. Um, he he eclipsed some some type of franchise mark as well, um, and, and tackled I think right. DT, DT's yeah. never get credit like D, unless you're a Warren Sapp, Aaron Donald type. Like the defensive tackles, especially the good ones in the league, they hardly ever yeah. get any kind of recognition. Yeah, I'm gonna tell uh, you why we mess. I'm gonna tell you why we mess. Derek Brown's gonna be a he's gonna be one of these dudes. He already is really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Think of the the foundational pieces on that defense. You got J.C. Horn, Derek Brown, Brian Burns. I mean, Jeremy Chin, Dante Jackson, C.J. Henderson. Like, these dudes are going to be around for a yeah. while. They're already good. And they're under 25. And we well, mentioned before, they needed that confidence. They needed yeah. they needed someone there to tell them, uh, you know, how you mentioned earlier on that, you know, if something happens to the Panthers early in a the game, they, they kind of lower their heads a little bit, almost like, oh, here we go again. This yeah. team, this yeah, roster, I they don't do that. that. Yeah, and, and you don't see it either. One of the things, too, last the previous years, you turn on a Panther game and you watch that game and then you watch another game. The, but, difference, in, game. the wow. difference in the games in the past, I was like, wait a minute. They're yeah. moving way faster. They play more <laughs> confident. There's oh. just a lot. There's just a whole difference. But now, this past game, the last the, the past four games that I've watched of the Panthers on a Sunday, especially this last game, watching our defense compared to other defenses is mind-blowing. They're flying like, around. They're yeah. flying around. they hitting people. I mean, like, it's it's it's, it's a it's a game-changer, man. And they're getting cocky. Good. They're getting cocky a little bit because of what they're doing. I wouldn't even call it cocky. I'm just calling it what it is. Aggressive. They're getting very aggressive. aggressive. Yeah. Some, they've got the goon mentality, which is, hey, we out here, so we might as well hit somebody. <laughs> hey, for real. And now uh, we bring in 
uh, a familiar face to the Panthers. Cornerback oh, yeah. um, Josh Norman signs the, pa- the practice squad uh, yesterday afternoon. 35-year-old cornerback had his best season here under Steve Wilkes as defensive coordinator 2015, made first-team All-Pro, helped lead the Panthers to Super Bowl 50. He was a very key component of that team in terms of leadership. Like, when I think of that 2015 team, of course, the first thing I think of is Cam Newton. The second thing I think of is Josh Norman in terms of he was like the vocal leader of the defense of that team. Um, And that defense was a problem. (laughs) Like, they were a serious problem. And Norman, I forgot, um, it's like week three or four of that 2015 season, y'all were playing the Saints. And Josh got that uh, that closing interception on Breeze yep. right in the yep. end zone. Yeah, and I was watching. My man is parallel in the air, like to get it, and comes yeah. down like on his back. Like you would think it would have knocked the wind out of him, and he hops right back up because he knows what just happened. Like he just ended the game pretty much. Like he was the one that we haven't had a cornerback like Josh Norman that vocal and could back it up since Josh Norman and J.C. Horn. To be honest, is probably the closest thing to it trajectory wise but uh right. brought in norman because jc horn uh some roster notes had surgery on tuesday uh well today uh skyler have you heard anything the latest on jc horn's injury it didn't sound like they're trying to put him on ir it sounded like wilkes was saying uh depending on what happens they might be able to club it up and he might still be able to play um what have you heard about that from the, the panthers yeah, just check my phone again just to make sure. But um, I haven't seen anything or heard anything yet. Um, I don't think we'll hear anything maybe until, like, later this evening. Um, maybe not until tomorrow. We'll, we'll definitely hear something tomorrow from Steve, but we might hear something this evening. I, I, again, it's just – it's so different because it depends on where exactly the pain in the wrist is and kind of how, I guess – I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, I've broken my wrist before, and I've played through it, and it's it sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. it's hard to play with a club, especially. But when you're defensive back, I mean, heck, it, you don't really need your hand to, to really catch the ball. You just need to bat the pass down. But when you're hand fighting and stuff, that could be a problem. So it just depends on how severe it is and if it's something that can re-injure itself or, or maybe worsen the pain. But – I don't know if I know. I mean, I know J.C. Horn really wants to be out there, and I know he understands what's on the line. So I would not be shocked if he plays Sunday. I really wouldn't. But I, I, that that's that's a tough that's a tough thing to play through. Yeah. What what um what do you expect from Josh Norman? He got signed to the practice squad basically so they could potentially just move him up. Uh, he could potentially be starting <laughs> on Sunday. We don't know. Um, he's thirty five. But he last played last year. Uh, with the 49ers, I think he played 14 games. Uh, he actually caused a bunch of fumbles uh, last year, I think like seven or something like that last year. Um, oh, clearly, we're not getting the 2015 version of Josh Norman, and nobody here is suggesting that we are. However, I would be perfectly fine if we're getting a 2015 Peanut Tillman type of Josh Norman that can come in, be that veteran guy. Because none of these players on this team were on this team when Norman was here except for Shaq Thompson. So uh, these are all young guys looking up to, to Norman. And another, this is something else. I hate to keep going back to Matt Rule, but Steve Wilkes understood the fabric of the team. Like, it's one thing to bring in a cornerback off the street to fill in a spot. It's another thing to go find Josh Norman and be like, hey, you're my dude. You understand the scheme. You know what we're doing. You know what the Panthers are about. The Panthers know you. It's just a bigger deal bringing back a familiar face like a Josh Norman that you could possibly just plug in on nickel or whatever, like third down plays. 
uh, and say Norman gives you a big play somewhere in this game somewhere. He ain't got to play the whole game. Right. Whatever, you know. He still get the start if, if JC is indeed out. So that there's that. But Josh Norman, he, he's probably going to play, if I had to guess, I don't know, it's probably somewhere between 20 and 30 snaps. I mean, it's not going to be something crazy. He's not going to start. Um, but we may see him start in the final game next week against the Normans, depending on where he's at in terms of being in game shape. Because, I mean, let's face it, he hasn't played a game all year. That's a tough thing to do to be – yeah, I, I think yeah, I think you're you're going in the right direction here. Like the, I think the Carolina Panther fans have to have the right expectations as far as what's going on here. Yeah, um, Keith Taylor is a starter. Um, you're bringing in um, Josh Norman, really as a safety valve, right? And but also having the intentionality of certain plays that Wilkes knows that he will thrive. Um, and in different situations as the game goes goes on, um, we're going to see Josh Norman in there to make plays. Um, so given those opportunities, depending on how the game flows, we'll see a lot of Josh Norman or we'll see not that much. You know what I'm saying? So I think um, this is the right move, man. Wilkes is <laughs> it's just one of those things where these types of moves can only be receptive under a certain coach and like the DNA um, that that's being like, um, I don't know, injected <laughs> right now into this organization is like, it's, it's, it's amazing to see. And it's amazing to watch because that's really the, the makings of a good organization is when you are looking at this from a culture standpoint and you got to have the right guys in there to make the right plays. And when I say the right guys, it's got to be guys that, you know, that understand, you know, what's at stake. Got to understand who's on the roster and understand what they bring to the table. And so the humility that's going to, that's involved in all of this um, and, and the leadership aspect that Josh Norman is going to be able to bring just this week and for guys to be able to ask him questions about like, hey, what was it like, you know, when you guys went seven, eight, and one? Because I mean, you have the voice of Shaq Thompson and you have the voice yeah. of JJ Jansen, but when you add Josh Norman, the secondary front, which was actually one of the like the, the year we went seven, eight, and one, like I'm like me and me and Josh, you know, during our, our time together, like in the hot tub, like him joking around, just seeing him grow as a as a player. Um, and, and, and seeing him on the practice field and seeing him take the things that he was doing so well in practice and it just all of a sudden start to make sense and dial up in the games. I mean, that was like, I went, wow. Like, whoever's got, his, whoever, whoever's got his, their hands on Josh Norman, like, need the pay raise. <laughs> and guess who that person was? Coach Wilkes. Yep. Right after that, too. Uh, when you go and look at the the identity of what this team has been, it's it's really what it was during the, that championship run in 2015. And like, it's just it's kind of ironic to think that like, okay, well they fired Ron Rivera, they let go of Cam Newton, they kind of blew up the, the whole entire thing, they blew up the entire culture. And and I don't really want to talk about the past and stuff like that, but I mean Matt Rule completely changed everything, went in a completely different direction. And, and as most head coaches probably would when they get get a new job, but. 
they went away completely from what they were known to do and have success with. And it's just kind of weird how they go back to that, that same championship DNA, that pedigree, that, that culture. And all of a sudden you're seeing the results come back around. Again. I mean, look it's, at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was about to say, look the, at the look at and David the Pittsburgh, St- like, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been the exact same for 50 years, for 50 <laughs> years. plus year. And what, no matter coaches. who the coach is, they've been yeah. the same. Exactly. So and that's what that's what bothered me because Tepper came from Pittsburgh. So and he said he wanted to build us like Pittsburgh. So you would think that he would recognize the culture that was already here and actually add on it as opposed to just I'm hoping Trying he learned his lesson. Yeah, he basically just gave the keys to Matt Rule and said, just build this in your own image. It doesn't matter what they were before because they never won anything, blah, blah, blah. So I don't care about that. But now I'm wondering if Tepper's looking at this and going, you know what? They had their own culture here. I didn't need to bring in somebody to wipe the slate clean. I, a matter of fact, he probably should have kept Ron Rivera, to be honest, and just helped him help Rivera build this team over again, as opposed to wanting your own coach and all the other hey, stuff. Sometimes, sometimes these decisions are are kind of good without even. I, I'm trying to think of the the, the the term here, but I guess to say, if you don't fire Ron Rivera, you don't hire Matt Rule. If you don't hire Matt Rule, you don't fire Matt Rule to get the Steve Wilkes. And maybe yeah, right. Steve Wilkes is the guy to get you to where you want to be. So right. it could Everything be. happens for a reason, man. Everything happens for a reason. And shout out to Ron Rivera and the Washington Commanders. They're in the thick of things, too. Uh, we we called it on this show two months They're ago. Ron's going to get hot in December. That's what he does. Like, his teams just start rolling as, the, as it gets colder. And the, the Commanders are in the thick of things. The NFC playoff race. Uh, once you get past like the the contenders, playoffs. Like the, don't talk about the, playoffs. The division leaders. You kidding me? It's playoffs. All, it's all five hundred teams. Green Bay somehow is back in this now. Uh, Detroit is now seven and eight. Uh, we're floating around. Tampa. Yeah, everybody's got around a five hundred record right now. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, and that's what they want. <laughs> that's literally what the league wants. They want everybody to be right around five hundred. Couple teams a little bit higher. Couple teams yeah. a little bit lower, and then you're gonna have your outliers, the ones that are that really TV good. Rate, that TV rating this weekend about to be out of control. <laughs> I mean, you got you got showdowns with us against Tampa. You got Baltimore and Pittsburgh, and then the following week, depending on what happens this week, um, I'm trying to think of a scenario where the Panthers do get flexed in the prime time. Although uh, someone did make a great comment, it is open mailbag uh, day today. Where I'm trying to find the comment now, um, where they're glad that we're not going to be playing at night because apparently we, typically we lose <laughs> when we play night games uh, or when we wear the all black, which is horrible because the all black is like the best uniform in the, in the whole league. But usually we have bad luck uh, when we uh, play at night. Shalika knows sports that I'm glad they didn't flex as we don't do well in prime time. Um, it was oh, one of those. Did we wear all black this past weekend? Mm, did we? We didn't wear all black, did we? I don't remember the scheme. I thought it was black top with silver pants. I can't remember. I know the one time we wore all black to be sure we won. Um, but typically the other right. Usually when they were all black, they they oh. typically don't win that game. Uh, but they look good. It was the, it was the gray pants. Yeah. The gray right. pants. If they get into the playoffs and they'll obviously be hosting the playoff game, um, they should go all black. Helmet, helmet the toe. I love yeah. all black. I look. love that look. That look is fantastic. And it and it, and it gives you a certain uh a certain so vibe, yeah. I, the the high school teams that I play, or what I call for down here, when they dress in all black, they feel different. You could tell they got a different vibe to them. Like they feel like they're coming out like a, I don't know, like a Marvel super team or something, like just ready to slap people around in all black. Um, this yeah, game yeah, coming sure. up here. 
Yeah, Shalika. Uh, back to Shalika, though. Yeah, she has a good point. I think right now, coming off of this game, it's a bounce back game, a game that we needed to win. Right? Got embarrassed against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now we're going into a game with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everyone's counting us out. Everyone is not talking about us. Let's keep it that way. Because if you fly under the radar and you end up where you want to be, that's all that matters. And I think the primetime situation, if it was going to happen, sure, that would be great. But since it's not, it's not a bad thing. And so, Desmond, I know you upset because you want people to be, you know, pumping up the Panthers and talking about them and they deserve I, you it. Know, I'm kinda, but it's good, it's, it's good uh, to be under the radar. Yeah, I'm kind of there. Making moves, making yeah. moves and, and just doing your business. Because at the end of the day, if you got if you run in a business that nobody knows about, but you making money and that cash coming in, mm-hmm. that's all you care about. That Yeah, I've, I've kind of gone away <laughs> from the whole wanting the national media to be like, come accept us, accept us to the point where I'm like, you know what, fine. We'll just win football games and eventually you're going to come back around because they yes. always do. They, that's how they treat us in the national media. They don't come around until it's near the end of whatever it is we're doing. And you and know, we, and, and you know what we're going to do. We know what we're going to do. Call people out. <laughs> we call out everybody. Out. Yeah. I, I, I got local media out here. I, I seen y'all 11 weeks ago. Yeah. I seen every last one. I went through and I got named. <laughs> I, I, I forgot the dudes here locally yeah. that have been like, the Panthers were not make the playoffs. There's no, why am I going to trust a team that ain't won two games back to back all year or ain't won on yeah. the road? Blah blah blah. This ain't the same team. This is not the right. same team that started the year. Like all, throw all that out. Like it don't matter uh, what they were underneath Matt Rule. It, this is and a different. Wilkes we trust and Wilkes we trust. I don't, um, I don't think that the the prime time thing really matters that much in anyways because I mean like it all it is is a time, right? You, yeah. Your game plan is your game plan. You're going to play against the team that you're going to play against, and it doesn't really matter as long as you commit to your game plan and you execute it. You're going to win. So right. it matters if it's one or eight o'clock. Um, it's it's open mailbag uh, Tuesday here because we're not going to have a Thursday show. So this is actually serving as the preview for the Tampa uh, game Sunday at one on Fox. It was not flex. So it'll be a Sunday one o'clock game in Tampa Bay. Carl Van, who's uh, watching uh, right now, says, uh, what up, Stu? I bet you five hundred dollars I can tackle you on the first try. I would like to see that. Um, we would like to set that up. Um, <laughs> maybe sometime in the offseason, we can set up a camera or something with BOA and see if we can get Carl out there. And uh, Carl, see, Carl, Carl, I need you to go get. I need you to go to GoFundMe and raise that five hundred dollars to something more. We'll have we'll have five grand in there from people donating before the day is over. If Carl really wants to uh, make that happen, maybe we can try to make no that pads, happen. no pads. You just can you tackle him on the? He said first try too. So uh, I don't know no what Carl pads. does for a living, but uh, he's very. Uh, I'll give you a month. He's very you better get, make sure you get that seat right. And I say that seat, make sure you get that your squats right, your yeah. lunges. Um, yeah, you gotta have that seat right before you come oh with me. Gosh. Um, it, uh, Carl also says he thinks Taylor has a bounce back game, to be honest. Uh, yeah. my guy, uh, Kevin Avery over at the four man rush, they do an excellent job reviewing um, Panther video uh, tape, that kind of stuff. They have their own podcast or doing their thing. He mentioned this, and I didn't really think about it before, but. That Steeler game that Keith Taylor got burned on a lot, that was really his only bad game of the year. He's really getting it across yeah. social media as if he's been a bad cornerback all year. He had a bad game there, and I think uh, he had a player to – I think it was the Ravens game 
or the Bengals, one of them, where somebody got, but everybody got beat yeah. in the Bengals game. Uh, you can't really point to anybody. I mean, that that. corner is going to have a, a day like that. I mean, yeah. especially when you're in the NFL. I mean, these dudes get paid to, to make plays too. And mm-hmm. like, like Keith Taylor said, like when you're a corner, like you're going to have these bad days. It's just I'm trying to eliminate how many of them that you actually have. Yep. Um, Willie Smith says, how much talking is going on between Tapper Fr- uh, Fitterer and Wilkes? Do you think a decision has already been made? Uh, I don't think a decision has already been made. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Skylar, maybe you can correct me on this. They can't take the interim tag off of Steve Wilkes during the yeah. season until they interview at least two minority candidates uh, in the offseason due to the Rooney rule. So they still have to interview a couple of guys before they can officially give it to yeah, them. Which- I, I love the Rooney rule. I really do because I think it gives minority coaches an opportunity and it, and it kind of forces organizations to go out and, and interview minorities. But the one problem I have with the Rooney rule is in this situation right here where if you feel like you know Steve Wilkes is your guy, then why why waste – why force a team to waste two other people's times to just bring him in just, just to say that they lived up to the, the Rooney rule just to go and hire Wilkes anyway. Like, right. I, I don't I don't like that part of it because, again, Steve Wilkes, minority coach, probably is going to get the job anyways, and you're going to bring two other guys in here that essentially don't have a chance to, to get the actual job except for to say, hey, they, they, they interviewed with the Panthers. Like, that's the only problem I have with it. Carl, like, this, is how, this, is how, this is how I feel about the coaching situation. If Bill Belichick wanted to become coach for the Panthers – I'm choosing Coach Wilkes over Bill Belichick. Me too, but I hate Bill Belichick, so that's an easy. <laughs> I can't stand it. But, but just just to the just to the situation, like we were talking before, like like it's the glove, man. Like the glove fits. If the glove fits, he must have quit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so comfortable too. It feels like a shoe you've had forever, and you lost it, and you, you found yeah. it under the bed, and you're like, oh man, it fits. Yeah. It's, it's supposed to be on my foot, like, like a blanket. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, a blanket, like a little blanket when you were little. So, I just, I'm so worried David Tepper's gonna mess this up, and like, nah, I don't really right, have it. Doesn't really stop He's already doesn't stop being stop being negative. I, no, because I, I feel like on one hand, I'm trying to think like, what has he done? to make me feel this way because uh, everything he's done, we've defended David Tepper pretty much for, since he got here. Uh, and so even letting rule go after four weeks of the season, five weeks of the season, we felt like that was the right thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. People kept saying he was impatient and all this other stuff, but we never really caught that. Really? Vibe. I mean, let, let's put it this way. He could have gave the interim tag to Ben McAdoo. He could have gave it to anybody else, but he gave it to Steve Wilkes. That's true. Yeah, that was he brought reason. Steve Wilkes in here for a reason. And it reminds me of that first win uh, that Wilkes got, that locker room video. Uh, that Tepper went down there and personally gave him the game ball and was like, this is for oh, you, yeah. brother. Like, that was a very emotional scene. Yeah, it felt yeah. like it had been building up with the team. Maybe Tepper is onto something. Maybe Tepper kind of has an idea. Now that results, he's a results guy. So, like, I mean, yeah. you start off one and four. You go five and five the rest of the way. You've gone through three quarterbacks. You've had multiple injuries. This isn't even your roster. And Trade you your best player. <laughs> Traded your best player a week after you got the job. Uh, traded a, you, your starting wide receiver made a scene on the, the sideline of a nationally broadcasted game. Terrace, <laughs> Marshall, Terrace Marshall Jr. is playing football and he's playing. playing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> how good was that LSU team? Like, you think of all the wide receivers that came from and yeah. Joe Burrow. Like, how good was that team? That offense, uh, yeah, Jamar yeah, Chase, 
Uh, uh, NFL player. <laughs> Who's the other one? Uh, yep. Justin Jefferson. <laughs> wow, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but hilarious in the backfield with Burrow. Man, Justin yeah. Jefferson needs two hundred some yards just to break the uh, single season season record. He, got he two might games. be able to do it. Yeah, he might get there. <laughs> might be able to do it in, in sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. He, might, he might do it next week. Like the dude is <laughs> elevated to top five. Top five wide receiver in the league yeah. by far, I would think. Oh, uh, top three, top two. Yeah, yeah he he is amazing. Um, and yet people still are kind of like down on Minnesota, even though they're what like eleven and three or twelve and three now. It's because um, of Kirk Cousins, man. I don't trust. I him. think it is. Yeah, <laughs> but all he does. Well, you know what? Their defense. I'm sitting there looking at it now. They've scored. Minnesota scored 378 points this year. They've allowed 373, and they're 12 and three. That oh. is actually an indicator that uh. They can be had. Um, so we'll find out uh, playoff-wise uh, what's going to happen with that. But uh, Jose Luis Abara Brumley says we should run down their necks against Brady and the Buccaneers. Let's get into this preview real quick, guys, uh, before we get out of here. No, let's uh, just congratulate. Let's let's give you some kudos for a second for being able to say that name correctly. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Jose Luis Abara uh, Brumley. I think I said it right. Um, I'll find out here in a bit because he'll probably comment if I did not. <laughs> he'll sound it out for me. Um, Willie Share says, I think back to when the Eagles drafted Ragor and the Vikings front office laughed so hard, and I said, Get JJ right now. Um, not sure what that's in relation to. Uh, I'm just kind of Ooh, Carl says, I'd love to see a Panthers-Niners playoff game. I do not. <laughs> that, the, the Niners are the team I'm trying to avoid. I don't want to see them again. We already saw them, Carl, earlier this year. Remember, that was kind of a – that was a, hey, look at Christian McCaffrey game, like pretty much. Like, do you want them? Do you want them? <laughs> we'll give them. Do you want them? Um, the, the Niners are playing really well. Uh, I know they're on their third quarterback too, but they got enough to – they're kind of built where they don't necessarily need a quarterback – like a star quarterback, their defense is great. They're kind of built like us. I mean, Run is there it. one team in the NFC that really puts the fear in you with it? Like, and I'm and I'm not saying this is because of what we've what we've seen lately. Like the the whole NFC, I think, is wide open. And if you have a team like Carolina Panthers playing the way they are, right? And remember what I've said weeks ago before this run really started is that this team can gain confidence. The most dangerous thing in the NFL is a young team that has confidence. I don't think it matters who they play. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of people want to say like it's always the teams from the previous years and stuff. There's always a team that pops up every year that wasn't in the playoffs that surprises everybody. Last year it was the Bengals. You know they, they surprise everybody. They get in, they make a run, uh, and a lot of times it's a wild card team or a team that's near 500 or something like that. Uh, oh, yeah, the one. They were nine and seven coming into the playoffs. So just get in and something can happen. Get in. Everyone's zero and zero once you get into the playoffs. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to entertain this nonsense about, well, whoever wins the NFC South, they don't deserve to go to the playoffs or uh, a sub-500 team shouldn't be in there or you're not good, blah, 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 blah. We don't care. <laughs> we don't care. We have not had meaningful football in December in the Carolinas in six years. Well, and I mean, we're plus, talking about a playoff people, game Sunday. For the people saying that, like, the, the, like say the Panthers get in, people will say, like, oh, they don't deserve to be in. Well, why would they not? They're probably playing some of the best football out of anybody right now, especially if they win these last two games, which they will have to do to get in. That means they've won, what, five of their last six or seven games to get into the playoffs? Yeah, it'd be five of the last seven. Yeah. And, so, and, I mean, come on. <laughs> rushing for 200, a clip, <laughs> like on all these teams too. Like, nobody's doing that right now. They're leading the league in rushing yards per game since Wilkes took over the team. Um, it's just 
it's, it's crazy to see it because people want to naturally go back and go, oh, what if we were doing this with McCaffrey here? We wouldn't have been doing this with McCaffrey here. Like we would have ran a different offense because of everything Christian McCaffrey can do. It's like that new toy on Christmas Day. You want to play with it. Once he was gone, it forced them to look at some other way to do this. And the run by committee, this three-headed monster they got going on right now, it's feeling pretty good. Uh, Miss Rain says Panthers versus Cowboys playoff game. If it sticks to the way it is right now, uh, the NFC South winner would host probably uh, the Cowboys, who are in the fifth, uh, the top wild card seed. Uh, although the Eagles have not clinched in the NFC, to answer your question, I don't fear any of the teams in the NFC, even the Eagles. Like I've never, I haven't really trusted the Eagles all year. Uh, they feel like they feel like those Green Bay teams that would go like fifteen and one or fourteen and two, and like just kill it all regular season, and they lose first round in the playoffs for some reason at home at Lambeau, probably to the Niners or somebody. They feel like that. Like they feel like they're going to lose to Dallas in a like a, a a divisional round game or something, and they shouldn't. Um, Dallas, maybe, maybe Dallas, and even them. Not worried about Dallas. They're off and on like so so much. Like maybe if the Rams had Baker Mayfield week two, maybe I'd pick the Rams because they they're dropping fifty burgers on people right now. Um, but that's, all, that's another game. When I watch that game, Arizona's defense. That's, that's why I'm mad. That is why I'm mad. There you go. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you why we mad. Son. I'm gonna tell you why we mad. Son. I'm mad because the Broncos fired Denver. Or they, they fired <laughs> Daniel Hackett, which means that we might start seeing the Broncos win games, which also means Jay Stu's not gonna have uh, fun on his "Why You Mad" Thursday. I thought about that as soon as they crossed 50 points. I was like, "Well, this might yeah. be the last we see of Nathaniel Hackett because I don't know if he's gonna make it through this week." Dropping this, this football game, Lord. and I thought it's new. I was like, "Oh, what's he going to do going forward if uh, Hackett ain't there to mess it up?" Man, listen, the the, the Denver Broncos. Man, I don't know what is going on over there, boy. But man, it's looking. It's this like, oh, like, I don't know, man. They need prayer. <laughs> they really do. They, they need. They need Sean Payton. I, I would assume that's the first phone call they made when they let Hackett go. They had to call oh. Sean Payton, like, "Hey, man, you want to come and help us out here?" Because he they need Jesus, man. Bit. They need Jesus. I don't know <laughs> if Russell Wilson. Get like, clipboard. Get him out there, man. Like it's it's crazy over there. I've never really seen the turn of events that have just like went a complete one eighty in expectations mm-hmm. for a football team with you know a celebrated player such as Russell Wilson. I'm not really sure what's going on with him. Um, cause I mean, in that game early on, I'm like, man, that was really bad. And then I'm like, dang, that was really good. And I'm just like, whoa, like, let me just turn this TV off. I don't want to watch this game anymore. <laughs> it was weird. It was weird watching them try to play football, uh, on Sunday. It was just like, Russell Wilson looked horrible. Like he has not looked good all year. And I don't know if it's Hackett or if it's Denver or if he, maybe, maybe Pete Carroll. The Seahawks knew something we didn't know. Because they, you don't give away a franchise quarterback. You, you don't trade off a franchise quarterback when they ask if they're still able to play. Look at Aaron Rodgers; <laughs> like he's been doing it for five years, like threatening to go someplace else. Green Bay has not let him go because he can still play. Seattle came up off of Russell Wilson pretty quick, and look at the haul they got back for him. Like they stole uh, Denver's soul with that that trade. Like, yeah, they're going to affect Denver for the next three plus years because of this. Because you can't get rid of Russell Wilson. Like, what are you going to do with him? Can't cut him. So like 160 plus guaranteed, uh, 160 million plus guaranteed. Um, yeah. back to this. Uh, but back to this. Uh, Panthers Tampa, uh, game on Sunday. 
will the Panthers from the stats, will the Panthers use a similar game plan against Tampa from week seven when we play them, or will they make some alterations? Uh, PJ Walker was the quarterback when we won. Totally uh, different. Thing. I mean, yeah, 21 to three, I think it was that we won, something like that. It was a pretty dominating win. Um, think we'll do keep doing what we're doing, or you think they'll switch it up a little bit, guys? To Ben, not switch it up. Yeah, just keep running down. The only right. thing I want to see is maybe you run one of them run what? plays more to the left. Yeah. <laughs> that guy's for that guy. Like, we're still running in this direction. Like, I hope because, they still do trades and stuff. Because check, man. All year, the Carolina Panthers, it says here, they've been averaging um, 100. The defense has been averaging 125 yards against them on defense, right? Mm-hmm. From the ground. The last three games – They've been allowing 82 yards per game. The last game, 45 yards. Um, so they can't run the ball, right? So, again, time of possession. We can run the ball, and we proved it the first time we beat them. So let's just stick to the game plan, do it again, because I know darn well that defense, looking at film today or tomorrow, like, oh, my God. Like, they're looking at themselves like, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. Like, the only thing that I will suggest for the Panthers in the run game is is be prepared for field con- field conditions. Um, you know, it's a it's a grass field. They've been playing on turf majority of the year. So, well, they've you been know, playing on cement for most of the you year. You know what I'm saying? So, so get ready to, like, have some, you know, wet areas or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? So, um, it's all about footing, man. It's really going to be – who can run the ball? Because they've proven they can run the ball too um, when they when they put their minds to it. Um, but again, time of possession. If we don't give them opportunities to march down the field with Tom Brady doing what he does, I mean, because and, and they cover the running backs, cover the running backs on defense is going to be the name of this game. Um, yeah, they got Julio, they got receivers, they got Mike Evans. Um, but when in doubt. Tom Brady likes to dump it off to the running backs. So, yeah, that's because uh, we're kind of getting into our keys to the game here. For me, um, you were talking about the Panther defense earlier on in this uh, episode, how they're just swarming. Tom Brady's got to be looking at this Panther defense coming into Tampa thinking, I got to get this ball out. <laughs> like, no, no, a second, one and a half seconds, two seconds. Like, there ain't going to be you no know, deep drops or anything like that. Like, you just don't have enough time. And the offensive no. line of Tampa, I feel like Tampa's living off of reputation right now. Like, they're hanging on for dear life, basically, and have been for the past two months, well, really the whole year. But the reputation that they were a great run defense from the past two years ago or whatever, when they won the Super Bowl, that's not there. Vita Vegas hurt. Uh, they don't have the Sue in the middle. Um, you know, and then you had the linebackers flying around. They're not doing that this year. Like, they don't yeah. have the same personnel to do it, but people think they are because they're Tampa. Uh, or the offense for Tampa, they feel like – or the perception is that they can go down and score, do whatever. Tampa feels like they score like 17 points, like every time they go out, and they can't really score a lot because it, it feels like Tom Brady and Mike Evans have never played football together before. Like when you watch them this year, it feels like they're just completely not in sync. I don't know what it is. I don't know what caused it, but uh, I'm not I'm not saying Tampa can't beat Carolina because God knows they can. Like, I think we all knew what was going to happen in that game this weekend with Tampa. Once they got to a certain point in the game, we've seen the script for 20 years. We knew it was going to happen, and it went exactly the way we thought it was going to go down. We can't be in a close game with Tom Brady. 
Because if you give him an avenue to be in a close game, he'll figure out a way to get them in contention to win. But if you get them down early, like we did this past week to Detroit, and you really and you do it in that manner by running a ball down their throat, like like taking their toy, <laughs> pretty much taking their ball. I think you can really affect Tampa because they feel like they're a team on the verge of imploding. Like they can go either way. I don't trust the coaching staff. I don't trust the personnel. They've been a 500 team all year, pretty much. We've already beaten them once um, by double digits, in fact. And it wasn't even close. Like they could not do anything on offense all day, if I remember correctly. So we can do the same thing. I don't think it's daunting to go down to uh, the pirate ship and try to do the same thing all over again. Um, you guys want to give some scores or let's do it. All right. So last week, Skyler picked 21, 20 lions. Stu had 24, 17 Panthers. I went 30, 21 Panthers. Um, I actually kind of almost got close to, to nailing the, uh, the score. If Detroit hadn't kicked the field goal or whatever it was. Um, and then we scored again. So it was okay. Uh, Jamie Revis, I live in Dallas, but transferring through work to Charlotte in the next month or two. I want to play Dallas too, just for that reason. We might get Carolina, Dallas, uh, in, in, in Charlotte, uh, first time since 96, I think they would play in a playoff game. Um, Skylar, we always start off with you. Give us your score. <laughs> for this well, game. <laughs> my gut tells me that the Panthers are going to win this game, mm. but I feel obligated right. to go against Carolina mm. just because it seems like every time I do, they win. <laughs> so I don't want to. I, I want to, you know, be the. I want to be the good fortune guy here and, and be a little reverse psychology. But I also can't go against my gut. So I'm kind of back and forth on this. Panthers. Well played. Four to 19. All right. I'm writing these down so we can keep track. Because uh, we're not one of those we're not one of those shows that'll give you a crazy take or a score yeah. and then pretend like we didn't do it uh the next week. We hold ourselves accountable here. <laughs> the oh, wow. Carolina Panthers podcast. Jay Stu, baby, what you got? <clears throat> Bucks, one o'clock Sunday. Man, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be one of those games where it's gonna be close when it shouldn't be. Um, just because of the high stakes of the game and, and just the uh uh the preparation on both ends of the you know, both teams. Um you know, they're gonna come with their best. Um and I think Eddie Pinero it's going to be a huge factor in this game. Um, I, think he's going, I think he's got 16, 17 straight field goals. We're going to need him to go 20 straight field goals. Um, um, so I, I feel like this is going to be like a 19, 19, 13. That was, that was going to be my original score. 19, 13 Carolina Panthers coming out with the victory. And – Time of possession is going to be huge, and I think we're going to win. I think we're going to dominate in the running game, getting it in the t- getting it into the end zone, um, is what I'm kind of up in the air about. Tampa is three eleven and one against the spread this season. Uh, they're coming in or in this game three point favorites. Considering it's home at Tampa and they're only getting three points. 
to me, kind of tells the, the, the story of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for this season. Um, Ms. Rain says we need to control, control the time of possession the way we did with Seattle, keep the ball out of Brady's hands. I'm not really worried about it being in Brady's hands. Actually, I kind of feel like it's weird to say, but it, it being in his hands over the past couple of weeks of what we've seen from Tampa Bay offensive football, that might be the best move for us to have because he's probably going to fumble it or, or throw interception or something's going to happen. And Tampa's going to turn the ball over. They're just turning it over. It feels like every third possession on average, they're just putting it on the ground. The game really in this one for Carolina is, is just to, again, eliminate the run game. Because yeah. if Tampa Bay does find success on the ground. That's when it's going to be problematic. Mm-hmm. I don't trust uh, I don't trust a lot of people apparently, but I don't trust Leonard Fournette or that offensive line from Tampa to really get off against this Carolina defense is playing so well. I think um, Josh Norman adding to the the secondary will give the defense not necessarily a bump in terms of uh, talent, but in confidence. I think it will. I think he'll be able to get these boys to a point where they they smell it like blood and water. Like let's go get this. It's right in front of us, and we can do this by beating the goat at home like we can we can do they clinch if they beat tampa on uh no they still got to win the next week or tampa has to lose next week but they would take the lead uh in the nfc south if they beat tampa uh on sunday i'm gonna i kind of felt that last week i thought i went too high on the score ended up being like right near it uh and i'm kind of feeling the same way i feel like this tampa team i feel like they're on the verge of if things start going wrong early that they might turn on each other. Uh, and that includes Tom Brady. We've seen him yelling at his teams numerous times uh, this year. Um, I think that could happen this this go-round. I think uh, the Panther defense is playing really, really well. Uh, they're fairly healthy up front. Uh, we are going to miss uh, – the secondary is banged up, and maybe Tampa takes advantage of that. Of course, Dante Jackson's on IR. I think C.J. Henderson's going to play. Uh, of course, we had to bring in uh, Norman – uh, J.C. Horn, we don't know exactly what his status will be. I would assume he's not going to play uh, this week, I would think. Um, but stranger things have happened. Brady might be able to take advantage of that if he's upright. Uh, one of the best things I've ever heard from a coach was that, you know, it don't really matter what they do on offense in the air if the quarterback's sitting on his ass all day. Like, it just don't matter. <laughs> it don't matter how many receivers you got if, if he's only getting two seconds to throw the football. So I think Carolina will dial up a bunch of blitzes um, and really hamper uh, Tom all night or all day, I should say, I think Carolina is getting to a point where they can score 25-plus points uh, running the ball. So I'm going to say 28 to 10 Panthers. And it's going to be another one of those games where, like I've said the past couple of weeks, it's not going to feel close. The Panthers are just – they're one of these teams that are rolling right now. And a lot I've seen a lot of teams packing it up. And thinking about the offseason, like body language to me says a lot with these defenses. Maybe it's because it was cold all over last week, and that might have something to do with it. But these dudes just wasn't trying to touch anybody. Uh, <laughs> they weren't trying to hit anybody, really, a lot of these games. And it was always the team that was 4-10 and 10 or the one they know they ain't going to the playoffs. They're just trying to get through the rest of the year. Tampa's not there, but they got players on that team, I think, that could get persuaded to get there by the end of the football game on Sunday. Uh, and I think we'll be able to do it. I'm going to go 28-10 Panthers. I always get nervous when I write this down, too, because <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot of points. Um, I don't even know what else to say. Like, we, we've we kind of covered everything. Um, Brad Tippett actually makes a good comment here. 
four of Tampa Bay's wins on the year, one score or less. So they're used to being in tight games. Uh, I don't think we'll have a tight one with them. I really don't. Uh, Willie says Panthers beat the Bucks so bad that Tom retires at the end of the year. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I don't. You think Tom retires this year for good? No, nobody does. <laughs> the man's 45. <laughs> like, He's divorced now. He don't have to worry about it. Right. There's, a lot, there's a lot of landing spots where he can end up. Um, I saw Patriots. The way the, the NFL is going right now. Yeah, the Patriots. I've been seeing Niners, Patriots reunion. He's from that area. He grew if, up I was there. Him, I, if I was him, I'm going to the, the Cali. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Get a ring out there with uh, yeah. Matt. Oh my yeah. gosh, no. We George, don't want George Kittle. George Kittle. About that. No, no. You, you don't have Gronk anymore, Kittle. but you got George Kittle. Nah, man. That ain't fair. We Tom Brady needs to retire. I feel like Tom I Brady, this- Tom Brady go down there to the Niners. But like, hey man, I'm taking league minimum. Just whatever. Just <laughs> I'll play for free. Keep, 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 the mo- keep the money. Just make sure you get some players. And we good. Oh my god. <laughs> San Francisco, man. That's I'd almost think somebody like Aaron Rodgers would try to get that way. Any from there too, like yeah. from California. Um, so I don't know. But meanwhile, all of us have, well, no, actually we did. All three of us picked the Panthers. Skylar picked 24, 19. Stu's got uh I got 19, 13. Is that right? Yeah, 19, yeah. 13. And I'm the only one that said the Panthers are gonna go big, 28, 10 uh Panthers. So we'll see how this plays out. We are out of time. Um, let's uh Get out of here. You've been listening and watching the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast brought to you by uh, Bet Online. And I just now remembered an hour, nine minutes into this that I did not read the Bet Online uh, read at the beginning of the show. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll read it twice next week or something and make it up. Uh, <laughs> so it's betonline.ag. Uh, believe is the code. Get the 50% off. B L E A V. Yada, yada, yada. You got all that. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take care of that next week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all we cared about was these Panthers today. Yeah, we were ready to dive in. Like, I, I got the read right here and everything, and I just went right past it. Um, but it's okay. Um, for Skylar Callahan, go check him out on Twitter, Callahan underscore, for the latest news and notes with the Panthers throughout the week. Keep an eye with him, especially this week, so we can find out the latest on J.C. Horn. Uh, the coaches will talk. There'll be some press interviews and things of that sort this week, so uh, definitely follow him. Uh, for Jonathan Stewart, the all-time leading rusher in Panthers history, who had one of your records taken away from me this week, but I don't think you were that mad about it, being in the house. Uh, Not at all. I was, it, was a, it was a treat, man, to watch those guys run all over the place. Um, the way they did offensive line, um, the way they came back off that Pittsburgh loss, let's just continue to stack it. Yep. Stack it. You had Stacks 320 it. yards this week. Let's get 325 next week. You know what would be uh, crazy if they actually did that? <laughs> if they actually they ran another they yard. I, I they think they, they might be able to do it. Tampa's not uh, this juggernaut squad. James um, Conner was running all over them boys, man. Yeah, so we're, we're going to see. It's going to match. It's another one of these games where if you look at on paper, it matches up well for what the Panthers do well versus what the other team does not do well. And they've been following that formula. It sounds simple, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but that's all it needs to be. It just needs to be simple. Um, so for Skyler, for Jonathan Stewart, I'm Desmond Johnson. You've been watching and listening to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. We'll be back with a new episode after the weekend, after the holidays are all over uh, next Monday, and we'll be back on our regular rotation. So you got the week to uh, to digest this episode. So it's a little bit supersized. Uh, we will talk to you then. Panthers, Bucks, 1 p.m. Sunday, Fox, NFC South lead on the line uh, with two games to go. Keep pounding.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.